0: Dr. Jason Lancaster.
1: Lord Jesus, we just want to lift you up today. We don't want to go through the motions. We don't want to keep blocking you out. We don't want to keep running our own race without you. Lord, I just ask that you would break through strongholds today. Break through those things that keep us... Bound up in sin, and show us there's freedom in you, Lord. Do an amazing work through this singing and this word and this fellowship today to your glory in Jesus' name, amen. In 2013, my best friend from junior high, high school, and college died. We used to hang out all the time in Texas. And we met in eighth grade, and we both decided to go to the same college at Arkansas Tech. We both became Christians in college around the same time, and both of us felt called by the Lord to be pastors. And we both have the same name, Jason. I wanna show you a picture of him and our other good friend, Jason is in the middle. I'm the cool one on your left. (laughs) I heard about his death when I was living in Chicago and I booked a flight to Arkansas and came back to the college town of Russellville where I hadn't been in 20 years. It was a very emotional experience. Um, We were both discipled under the Wesley Foundation and he, as we were both called to ministry, at the time of his death, he was actually the director of the Wesley Foundation, which was his uh, dream job. So I went to his funeral work and we're talking hundreds and hundreds of people. And um, the night before he was, I guess it was a viewing, I went by his coffin and I saw him there with a a big Bible on his lap. And I had a very hard time processing everything. And as I was leaving that weekend and just the next week, I, I was asking two simple questions. What is true? What am I supposed to do? I don't know if you ever have those times where life just hits you hard. Someone dies. You get a diagnosis. Some relationship thing happens. Something happens. And you're like, what is really true? And if it's true, what am I really supposed to do? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to take some time to study the most, probably the most important paragraph in the entire Bible. And I know there's a lot of big words in there, but we're going to get at what is really true. What am I supposed to do? So let's go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3. Let's get reacquainted with the book of Romans we saw in the first three and a half chapters are filled with bad news. And we said last week, without the bad news, you can't have the good news. And if you don't have the bad news and the good news, you will not have a Merry Christmas. But we started with the bad news, which can be summed up in Romans chapter 118. It basically says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Apart from Christ, we are all guilty before a holy God, and yes, we are targets of his wrath. In chapter one, we saw that the Gentiles were breaking bad and deserving of God's wrath, and the Jews thought, hey, we're, we're breaking good and getting better, but no, the Jews are just as guilty as the Gentiles. Apart from Christ... All of us are guilty before a holy God and targets of his wrath. So we already plunge the depth of the bad news. But I'm going to give you two words that could be the most rejoice giving words that you could possibly see. And those two words are at the very beginning of verse 21 of chapter three, look at these two words, but now. Yes, it is true that we're all guilty before holy God and we'll face his judgment, but now, but now, but now, but now there is something else that you need to know. There is more to the story. Let's look at it. The historical intervention of God. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Okay, let's really understand this. Well, God gave the law, the Old Testament law. You can think of the Ten Commandments through Moses. And God's Old Testament law, the Ten Commandments, reveal his character and explain his morality between right and wrong. But the law, in observing the law, will not get you in good with God and give you eternal life. You see, the law reveals sin. If people don't think they're a sinner, just walk them through the Ten Commandments. You ever ever lied or cheated? Just walk them through the Ten Commandments. We're all guilty before a holy God. And so the law reveals and exposes our sin. But once again, verse 21. But now, apart from the law... The righteousness of God has been made manifested. So there's now a new revelation of a new way to be made right with God apart from the law. And yet this new way, don't think that it has zero connection with the Old Testament because verse 21 and 22 says specifically being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So you may think, well, the Old Testament is just a waste of time because we got to hurry up and get to Jesus because the Old Testament doesn't have any indication of Jesus. But if you really read your Old Testament rightly, you'll see Jesus everywhere. Think about this. Genesis 3.15, it says that Eve's offspring will crush Satan. And who is Eve's offspring? Jesus The promises made to Abraham about this worldwide blessing through a seed, through a descendant, how in the world is that going to happen? Jesus. You have the deliverance out of Egypt foreshadowing the deliverance from sin in Jesus. You have specific prophecies throughout a variety of prophets, but in Isaiah, you have this suffering servant who is Jesus. And then you have this entire chapters and books full of this sacrificial system pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus. So this right standing before God is not out of the blue and is anticipated in the Old Testament because there is this connection between the old and the new and it's all about Jesus. And this right standing is through faith. Look at verse
0: 22.
1: Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe for there is no distinction. So God's gift of right standing given to believers who are clothed in Christ comes through faith in Jesus. Not faith in faith, not faith in a generic God, but faith in Jesus. Specifically, Jesus who is the perfect righteous one, who gives us this right standing, this righteousness of God through faith. So let's start to answer our questions. And boy, we're going to go deep today. We'll answer the first question and we'll get to the second one later. And the first question is, what is true? And what is true is that you are saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Salvation? It's given by God to all those who believe. Not earned by good deeds or good works. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. And now we're going to talk about that in detail. We are going to talk about, big word here, justification. Redemption. Propitiation. Those are words that you use all the time. And so it's going to be a great time. And we will start with justification. It's a salvation metaphor. It's a metaphor from the law court. Justification is God's legal declaration that guilty sinners have been made right with God. Let's see it. Romans 3, start in verse 22. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace. So all of us have exchanged the glory of God for idols and can't earn favor with God by our own works, but God has provided a way for us to be reconciled to him, which is justification by grace as a gift. Once again, justification, God's legal declaration that guilty sinners have been made right with God. So here's the deal. God is the judge, and justification is the act where he declares a person to be righteous in his sight. There is forgiveness, there is pardons of sin, but there is righteousness given. Let's go ahead and do a little, little, little fun thing right here because I know some of you may not be paying attention, but maybe this will be fun. On what basis does God declare a person righteous in his sight? On what basis? All right, so here, here, let's just go ahead and get into this. I'm not stepping on any toes. I'm just giving it to you straight out. Let's talk about the differences and the distinctions between Catholics and Protestants. Now, when I talk about the distinctions here, I'm talking about the understanding and the teaching of the Catholic Church. I'm not talking about maybe someone who has a different understanding who still claims to be a Catholic. I'm talking about the teaching of the church itself. So don't throw anything at me. This is historic. This is history. On what basis will God declare a person justified? Righteous in his sight. So the Catholics, on one side... I'll make sure you get this. I don't think I'm misrepresenting the historic teaching. Catholics say that God will declare a person righteous in his sight when he sees they have sufficient righteousness inherent within them. Now, I wanna flesh that a little bit. So here we go. Believe in Jesus, cooperate with his grace. So that you can be declared justified or righteous through Jesus plus your good deeds, cooperating justified. It's something inside of you, okay? You're declared righteous inside of you, right? I see, you know, you get that. So that's that's historic uh, Catholic teaching that is absolutely wrong. doesn't mean you can't have friends that are Catholics. It doesn't mean the Catholics can't believe in Jesus and believe the right thing, but that teaching, historically is wrong. You say, "Well, that's mean. Well, Protestant Reformation. I mean, this is historic stuff, okay? So what do Protestants or true believers believe? It's this: The Bible teaches that righteousness is not in us. It's something outside of us and only can be ours through faith in Jesus. Do you get that? When we believe trust in Jesus, we're declared righteous, not because we cooperate with Jesus and his grace, we're declared righteous because Jesus is righteous. He and he alone is righteous. It's about his good works, not my good works. And so God sees believers having faith in Jesus and he says, I forgive you and I declare you righteous because I see Christ. We're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. You understand justification? It says that we are forgiven and we are also declared righteous. Both go together. Not because we're good. It's not Jesus plus Anything, right? It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything, all right? Once again, a little justification here. Let me, let me put it to you in terms of weather because uh, we moved here from Chicago about four years ago. And as you know, it's cold there. We even lived in Chicago when they had these record-setting temperatures that dropped way below zero. So you got temperature in your mind. Well, theologian... John Frame explains it like this. When we trust in Christ, we are forgiven. But that's not just it, because that only brings us up from negative temperatures to zero. But we're also given the righteousness of Christ that takes us into the positive temperature. Did you see that now? That's a a declaration of righteousness. We're forgiven and declared righteous. Both go together. We're justified, declared righteous. So, what is true? You're forgiven, declare righteous. And you may think, well, if you're saved through Jesus, does that mean there's like a catch? I took my my son, he's 13, he's my oldest, I took him to um, Universal Studios in Florida to this uh, Harry Potter world. And we're, we're sitting around in this room, and this wizard, you probably know his name kids I don't remember his name but anyway this wizard fake guy we're all in the room and we're in the wand shop and he's looking around and he picks my son and he says I wonder what kind of wand you need and he looks in his shelf and he gets a wand out and he hands it to him he goes this is the wand just for you and so when his presentation is over I'm thinking this is the greatest thing. My son's walking out to this next room and this lady says, that'll be (laughs) $29.99. That's such a rip off. (laughs) In salvation, there is no catch. There is no trust in Jesus, but no, there is no, but there's no catch. And she you know what this means? This means, my brothers and sisters, that the pressure is off. You don't have to jump through hoops. I know a lot of you have a lot of pressure from parents, from kids, whatever, throughout your whole life, and we're telling you there is no catch. The pressure is off. You are forgiven and declared righteous in Jesus and him alone. That's what's true. Well, the second thing I want to talk about is redemption. Redemption. It's a metaphor from the prism system in the slave market. Redemption is God's ransom of sinners from the captivity of sin and Satan through Jesus Christ. God's ransom of sinners from the captivity of sin and Satan through Jesus Christ. Look at verse 24. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So during this time, this was written, slaves could be liberated through paying of a ransom. In a similar way, prisoners could be freed from their captivity through paying a ransom. As we read the New Testament, we see that we're in bondage to sin and to Satan, and we need a ransom to be paid. And the ransom was paid through Jesus, Mark ten forty-five. Mark 10.45 says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the human analogy breaks down because it never says whom Jesus pays a ransom to, yet the price has been paid through his death to free us from sin. And so if we take this verse 24 and we think about redemption, we also think about what is true, and this is what is true. You are free from the bondage of sin and Satan through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to make sure you get this. You are now free, if you're a believer, from the bondage of sin and Satan through Jesus Christ, which means you're not going to believe this, which means you can actually say no to sin. You have the power. And the grace, you can't say, well, I'm in bondage to Satan and sin. No, you can actually say no to sin. You can have hope. There is no sin that you're saying, I'm completely in bondage to this. I cannot say no. And so I'll have to keep going back to it over and over and over again. I'm in a bad relationship. I can't get out. And so I will just say, I got to go back. Or I'm I'm addicted to pornography. I got to keep going back. No, no. You can be free and say no because you are free in Jesus. Redemption has occurred. Ransom has been paid through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Satan has zilcho power over you. You're free. Do you live that way? Do you truly believe that? The last metaphor we're going to look at is one that you probably have never really said much and that's the metaphor of propitiation. Propitiation. Propitiation is a metaphor from the sacrificial system. God's pouring out his wrath on Christ instead of sinners whom he now views favorably. It's God's wrath on sinners poured out on Christ whom he now views favorably. Look at verse 25. Talking about Jesus, whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because God, in his forbearance, passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness and the present time, so that he would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You know that sin deserves death. And specifically in the Old Testament, an uh, an animal was killed like a lamb. Its blood was spilled to atone for sin. And God would forgive the sinner and did not pour out his wrath. But you probably know they had to make sacrifice over and over and over and over again, showing that animal sacrifice ultimately could not deal with sin. All right. You ever heard of something called a God problem? I mean, God doesn't have any problems, but... A God problem is how do you explain something? If God forgives people in the Old Testament, and yet the animal sacrifices really don't deal with sin, and they can be forgiven by doing them over and over and over again, and yet it doesn't really deal with the problem, does this mean that God is unjust and not righteous? Do you see why this is a God problem? You say, okay, God, why are you forgiving sin if the animal sacrifices don't really work? David commits adultery and murder, and he gets mercy when he should get wrath. Why? If the sacrifices of the animals don't really work, God, why are you forgiven? You must be unjust and unrighteous because it doesn't make much sense. You see why this is something you could call a a God problem. So how could God forgive in the Old Testament? Once again, look at verse 25. Right in the middle there, it says this was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. So what we're getting at here is that God forgave people in the Old Testament by faith because he was looking ahead to the sacrifice of Christ. How are people in the Old Testament forgiven? Jesus how people forgiven today? Jesus. See, the animal sacrifices were just the precursor of the ultimate sacrifice to come in Jesus. And it says specifically that in the sacrifice of Christ, God's righteousness was shown, and he's just and a justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. There's a quote from Douglas Moo that says, the cross of Christ works backward in history, and forward in history. So, those in the Old Testament are forgiven in the cross of Christ because God is looking to the ultimate sacrifice of Christ, and so looking forward, and so we are forgiven in the sacrifice of Christ, looking back. But every single one through faith is forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus, for there's no other way except through Jesus. So, what is true? What is true? What is true of you is you have God's favor instead of his wrath, which means that God's not angry at you anymore. And you say, well, I know he loves me, but he doesn't really like me. No, he likes you too. You have his favor, not his wrath. I know some of you that just do not feel like God loves you, You think he's angry at you, you gotta keep going back to the sacrifice of Jesus. If he's angry at you, then what was the point of the cross? He's not angry at you. Through faith, you are forgiven and freed. So I ask the question, what is true? You're forgiven through faith in Jesus. What am I supposed to do? Believe. That's it. Believe. We said all that in complicated language to bring you to a point and say, okay, now you got to believe. Trust in Jesus. Because, my brothers and sisters, you are forgiven and declared righteous. The pressure's off, there's no catch. Believe, you have been set free, redeemed from the bondage of sin and slavery. It's real, believe. God's wrath been poured out on Jesus instead of you. He's not angry at you, believe. The bad news is really bad because the good news is really good. And we celebrate at Christmas, Jesus. And so when calamity hits, like it did for me, I I keep coming back to this picture of my friends. And it hits me to think, what is true? What am I supposed to do? And it may have hit you recently or a long time ago, and it makes you just think, okay, what is true? Jesus is true. What am I supposed to do? Believe, trust in him. That's what it all comes down to is Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus. And we just wanna speak the name Jesus, lift up Jesus, shout Jesus, because there's no other way to be forgiven There's no other way to be accepted. There's no other way to be free from the bondage of sin and Satan. Absolutely no other way. And Lord, I just ask that you would bring comfort to those who need comfort today, that you are true. Conviction to those who need conviction today that you are true. For those who do not believe Lord, Press the truth upon them of Jesus. And for those of us who are struggling with belief today, Lord, help our unbelief. We do believe. We want to believe. Turn our hearts towards you. And make us trust in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at VBCHSV.org or call us at 922 0404. By God's Dean while, Word. have a blessed day as you walk along the way.